Mainland Podcast is back, everybody. I'm Michael Citro from TheMainland.com, Managing Editor. Uh, we are here with uh, podcast episode number 42, and uh, we, of course, are uh, are brought to you by TheMainland.com, SB Nation's site covering Orlando City SC, Orlando Pride, and Orlando City B. Uh, joining me are Mainland staff writers Daniel McGann and Luis Hernandez making his uh, podcast debut. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great. Congratulations, Luis. Huh? That's a it's a big night for you. Uh, yeah, no no pressure. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have our um we don't have our Englishman uh this week. Um he's uh, Andrew couldn't make it this week. So we don't have that 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 English accent that it instantly legitimizes this podcast. <laughs> but we but we do have a Hispanic so hey, that, that's know, okay. It's a trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have so we are American we're, we're legit team anyway. That's so. okay. Right. <laughs> that's right. Um, so guys, I wanted to start out by uh, talking about Orlando City's first victory of the season, uh, a one-nil victory on the road at Yankee Stadium in the laughably small field uh, that they have up there, and um, basically comes down to a moment of magic from. Uh, Adrian Vinter, Rafael Ramos, and Kyle Lahren producing an early goal. And then 70 minutes of white-knuckling uh, defense. Uh, great, great game for Tommy Redding. Great, great game for Christian Higuita. And Joe Bendick uh, has come to play as well in that New York City FC game. Daniel, I want to start with you uh, as the veteran returning uh, podcaster uh, to just tell me what your overall thoughts of the match were. Uh, I just can't believe they allow soccer on a pitch that tiny i mean it's upsetting (laughs) to me to watch uh the type of play that we expect orlando to have with uh uh, getting the ball wide and have our overlapping play and uh, a lot of possession a lot of a a, a lot of play in the attacking third we didn't see that at all in new york um Mm -hmm. and that happens when you go into an atmosphere in a and play on a field that is so conducive to everything you don't do um, and we survived that, which is uh, an amazing point because it's very difficult to play the type of soccer that we do on that pitch and in that field and in a in a in a tough uh, a tough surroundings. Well, with a good opponent, New York uh, has been uh, playing well this year. I mean, they had what I think six goals before uh, we went into to New York to to shut them out, which is awesome. And Joe Bennett played very well. Uh, and like you said, Tommy Redding, wow. I mean, he has taken a step uh, and. We can understand why, how the coaching staff may be confident putting him back there, how he's been playing. I mean, he's been playing very, very good, and um, uh, Aguita as well. It's good to see him come back from the uh, the lackluster type of play that he had the, the previous match. But it's I, 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 for the life of me, I why on baseball fields and why on something that you can barely move around a pitch with 22 people running around, I feel like it's just a mosh pit in New York right now. Yeah, it's hard to um, it's hard to keep possession on on that field. It's like you know, there's all of soccer is a little bit about when the other team has possession, trying to anticipate where the ball is going to go next and intercept that pass. It's a lot easier to do when you don't have to cover as much ground. And there are just so many turnovers in games at Yankee Stadium, and it's it's even worse because uh, there are other narrower pitches in in MLS. Not as narrow as that, but there are other narrow ones that don't seem as narrow, I think, because of the configuration of the stadium. Or maybe it's just the camera angle that you, that they have uh, at Yankee Stadium for televised games, but it seems magnified. It seems even worse than 
than uh, the other narrow pitches around Major League Soccer. Um, now, you mentioned a little bit about the getting wide part and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, Orlando City does try to do that. In this game, they came out in a 4-2-3-1, and uh, Saren and Iguita playing in behind uh, Nocherino and um, uh, Vinter and, and Molino. Rivas got his first uh, taste of, of of the uh, of action. He came on for Nocherino, and, and Laren left uh, a little early with an illness and was replaced by Pedro Ribeiro, your favorite striker, Daniel. I love and, him so uh, much. Oh, my gosh. Did he look fast out there? He did n- not look fast. No, no, I wouldn't say he looked fast. I would say Carlos Rivas looked fast and actually looked pretty good considering he hadn't played any uh, yet this season. He did. Um, Luis, I want to I want to throw this at you now and just ask you about the defensive setup. Now, Orlando City grabbed the early goal. Do you think that there was a game plan of parking the bus a bit, or do you think that that was dictated? by New York City flooding the midfield and just taking possession. In other words, do you think Orlando City wanted to give up possession and and to defend, or do you think that New York City took possession? I think that going into this game, uh, Coach Heath took account of the smaller field, and I think that was part of the plan. And the reason that I think that is because, you know, Breck Shea – kind of stayed and stayed in the back, didn't go forward a whole lot. I think that um, some of the questions that we had with our back line, I think the, the, the narrower pitch kind of hid some of that. I think that we, uh, our formation kind of tried to clog the midfield a little bit to kind of have some congestion there so they couldn't get runs at our line. And, yeah, I honestly think that once we – we snuck that goal in that we were able to maybe not park the bus, but we were definitely backing the bus up. <laughs> <laughs> now here's some, you mentioned Breck Shea and I want to bring this up because in our, in our round table on ma- on the mainland this, this week, everybody, all three people that responded um, that sat at the round table this week said that their, their biggest pleasant surprise was Tommy Redding and their biggest disappointment was Breck Shea. And I want to point out the fact that, Breck Shea played Kyrie Shelton off the field and out of the lineup. Kyrie Shelton was not a factor, and he was taken off, subbed out at halftime. And Mendoza came on and, and actually did a little better and, and actually, in fact, swapped sides later in the game when another sub came on. But I thought that uh, Breck didn't get enough credit for uh, shutting down Kyrie Shelton uh, in that New York attack. I thought he did a good job of staying with him and, and rendering him kind of uh, absent. But I wanted to bring the, the, the discussion full circle now because, we'll, as we always do, is we always come up with our man of the match. And um, we'll start with, with Daniel, and, and why don't you give us your man of the match for, uh, for the and New York City FC game? You know, I, uh, I, I can say a, a couple players here, right, because a couple guys really did stand out, and uh, most of them were on the defensive side of the ball. Again, that's what happens whenever you have little to no possession throughout the game. Um, but I think Agita stood out for me with the, not only the amount of tackles that he was putting in in the midfield. I think, what was it, like 13 or something like that? Um, but his passing as well was very crisp. And it was uh, a mm-hmm. complete 360 or 180, I'm sorry, a complete 180 from what we saw uh, the week before. And I didn't know if he just needed to get into form a little bit. But um, having his ability in the midfield, he was buzzing around. It's fantastic to see. And 
hopefully he can stay uh, stay in that type of form moving forward because we're going to really need uh, him in that midfield if 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 we're not able to 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 get the chances in the attacking third that we really haven't been putting together. So it always seems to be that last pass that we're missing or maybe that uh, one too many pass in the attacking third. I got to say, Aguita is my man of the match. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I wonder how much of it had to do with going back to a four two three one like they played last year. Um, the, it'd be interesting to to note because uh, the week before they played more of a four three three in the attack, four three two one looking uh, defensive setup, and uh, he didn't look very good. And it was his first match of the season, so maybe there was some rust that needed to be kicked off, and, and maybe it was a formation thing. But he definitely played. Very, very well against New York City. Um, Luis, your man of the match. My man of the match for me is Joe Bendick. I think that uh, he has had some criticisms going into the season, uh, trying to replace Tally Hall, and he didn't necessarily do anything at home to impress the supporters. So I think that uh, he had some definite uh, 1v1 saves, that were impressive against Mix, for example. And, uh, you know, I think he kept that back line organized and uh, he's my man of the match. Yeah, he had uh, some issues early in the game with his footing, which, uh, <laughs> you know, had some, he had some adventures back there and I was really worried every time there was a back pass. Uh, but he, he got that sorted out. He really made some tremendous saves. And Mix Discarude, you know, say what he, you want, and, and he was called this week uh, one of the more overrated players in MLS by I don't think you know so. an, a, an anonymous uh, anonymous you know group of, uh, of players that were polled. But he he doesn't play like he plays against Orlando City against other teams because he really plays well against Orlando City, and he'll be seeing Bendik in his sleep because Bendik robbed him a couple of times and and, and made some huge saves. So good point by you, Luis. Uh, my man of the match is going to be Tommy Redding who rendered David Villa pretty much uh, silent on the game. I mean, most of the danger came from Mix uh, and and Mendoza and a couple of the other guys. I think McNamara may have had a good chance. Uh, and uh, it really was a fairly quiet game for Villa. He got some possession, but he really didn't threaten goal very often. And I thought that was a, a big testament to the 19-year-old center back. And uh, so he's my man of the match. So there you go. We've all got somebody different, and they were all in defensive roles. So... Uh, basically the same guys that we talked about to start the show. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's um, the kind of game it was, though, right? It was just like it felt like every time we got possession, we were like, hey, we're just going to play defense, guys. Just pass it back mm-hmm. to, to New York, and let's let's make sure we play defense. I was like, oh, my God. It, it, I don't know. Again, we you talked a few minutes ago about Breck not really getting into the attack. I mean, I think that was on purpose because yeah. you can't overlap on that field. Usually our team, we have those wingers that are outside, and you have uh, Molino will be, be on the right side or maybe Venter or, or whoever's up uh, up there in the, the attacking uh, side, and they may cut in while our, uh, our backs are – are overlapping but you can't do that on that field like if you cut in it's so congested in the middle of that field anyways you're just running into another player so um i mean i think that was by design and a lot of people would talk down on breck but he did uh hold shelton speed in check and he did a good job on the defensive uh third and i mean before that really he was a hit or miss for the first two games but i mean he was definitely a hit in the first game and a miss in the second so uh, I, I think Breck's, uh, you know, 
going to get there in form, but I don't, I don't see the aspect of him being, you know, a, a player right now that we're hoping more from, right? We're just mm-hmm. waiting for him to get a better opportunity. I think the, the, the reasoning behind that. Well, he, he's, he is what he is. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's still a project yeah. at left back. He's still learning the position. Uh, did, did get to play there some last year. In fact, uh, I think it was soccer by Ivis that said uh, he was for them, the left back of the first, I think the first third of the season yeah. uh, or first quarter or first third of the season, he was in their, their all MLS team at left back. So he, he can play the position. He still will get lost sometimes because he doesn't have those natural defensive instincts. And, and he did get lost a few times, but at the same time, you know, he did render Shelton pretty much invisible out there. And, and I thought he did, he didn't get enough credit for that. So, uh, you know, good game, good three points on the road. Anytime you can go on the road and, and get three points, it's great. Uh, Orlando city, uh, done for the month of March. They've got, uh, they're sitting in third place in the Eastern Conference. Um, and, you know, they've taken five points out of a p- potential nine. And, you know, they, they had that, that furious comeback to rescue a point uh, against Real Salt Lake and, and had a goal waved off in that game. They ha- also had uh, an op- plenty of opportunities against Chicago, and we beat that horse to death. But obviously the it would have been nice to have gotten that penalty late in the game when uh, Laren was pulled down in the box so obviously. But, uh you know, so you could sit here and say they should be on nine points, but they're ahead of where they were at this point last year by, I think, a point. I think they were at four points after three games last year. So not too bad, and I don't think they would have come back to draw that game uh, last year the way they did against RSL in the opener. So um, some I, I've seen some improvement, and also they haven't had Kaká yet, and um, barely, still really just scratching the surface with no Chirino. And a big signing this week, we didn't talk about this yet, uh, Julio Baptista. What well, can we say? Is it big signing? I mean, I think it's a. I think it's a significant signing. Here is a guy who's played for Arsenal, Real Madrid, AS Roma. Yes, he's 34 years old, but let's face it, Kaká is 33 years old and he's still a pretty good player. Yeah, but he also looks um, like he's put on 40 pounds or 50 pounds since. He's I think he. They. I think he looks like the freaking Incredible Hulk. This um, <laughs> is what they were saying on Top Drawer Soccer. Uh, the pictures that have come out of Orlando City don't show me an overweight player. They show me a guy who's packed on some muscle and looks like he's, I mean, he's pretty ripped looking. I, I mean, obviously he's got a shirt on, so you can't see if he's got a six pack or a little bit of a pouch, but um, the leg muscles and the arm muscles are just, I'd kill for them. He, looks, you know? <laughs> he, he does look like he's going to turn green at some point. Well, I'll give you that, but I just, I don't know how big of a signing it is. I mean, I don't see him ever supplanting Laren. I don't ever see us playing. Well, that's not the point, though. That's not really, that's not what he's here for. What he's here for is if Kyle Laren tweaks a hammy, we don't have to run Pedro Ribeiro out there as our first team uh, striker. Thank thank God to that, yes. Haji Berry is not quite ready. We've seen that in his movement uh, over the the couple of uh, appearances he's made. I think that I think that Adrian Heath has has seen uh, Baptista in training. He's been he'd been working out with the team for a month, so he's got a good idea of what he's getting. And you know, if Laren's gassed at at the 70th minute, you know, there here you can bring in this Brazilian who's who's played on the world's biggest stages. And you know, even for Cruzeiro's, even at the on the downside of his career when he's been dealing with some injuries. He's still scoring a goal every 155 minutes the last three years. Yeah, so. I, and and you're right about. Uh, I mean, basically, all that you said there. I just don't. I don't want 
the supporters to, to look like this guy's going to come in and score a ton of goals for us. But if you're looking at it from the point to where he's a guy in the 75th minute or 70th minute, or if we need to play him for 60 because Kyle's on international or whatever's going mm-hmm. on, uh, that is the type of depth that we didn't have last year, right? I mean, it wasn't Martin Patterson was supposed to be that kind of guy, right? Uh, right. Never ended up being that person. And I think uh, they're if you compare the two, right, we're, we're, we're getting the better end of the deal here with Baptista because he does have uh, the type of play and the type of skill um, on the type of teams that I think he can work with Kaká and Nosarino, uh whenever we get everybody back in the lineup. So you're, you're right on that end. I just don't know how a 33-year-old body is going to hold up in the MLS. But he has been going through the same type of travel in Brazil as well. So we'll see. I mean, he's he's, he's got the type of... He's got the type of size. I'm sure if you put him in the box, he can do some damage, right? Yeah, and he's and he's a good free kick taker as well. Luis, I want to talk to you a little bit about the depth of this squad compared to last year. This year, there's a veteran striker to back up Laren. There are there are serious backups and serious depth players all over the midfield. Uh, you've got it looks like you've got four very solid center backs. It looks like you've got a solid backup for both of your fullbacks. This team is seems to be seems to have addressed those depth issues that hurt it last year, hasn't it? Absolutely. I think that right away with the establishment of OCB, it, it was they they needed that depth. And they went going in, they thought we've dropped points last season because of depth. They took off the all the all the FIFA windows for so they have to yeah, they have to play more during the middle of the week at mm-hmm. the end of the season, but they wanted to make sure that they had all their players, you know, when they needed them for key matches. They don't want to drop any points early. Um, and, yeah, they, they just said, we learned our lesson and we're going to have depth one way or another. And, you know, having OCB, getting all these players and taking off the, the for the FIFA dates, have, I think, uh, helped them. Yeah, they're built now to weather weather the storm as we hear the storms going on outside of our homes uh as we record this but yeah they're they're built to weather those injuries that they and suspensions that they were not built to weather last year which is is a good thing um you mentioned international play now right now uh, orlando city i said as i said is done for march they play april 3rd against the uh defending cup champion at portland timbers uh kyle laren is away with team canada for a couple of games against mexico uh kevin molino has been called up uh, by Trinidad and Tobago to play against uh, St. Kitt and the Grenadines and or St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I'm getting my islands mixed up. And uh, of course, uh, Darwin Saren has returned uh, to play for El Salvador. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to, to make sure if we just get those guys back without any injuries, it'll be awesome. Uh, I think Kevin Molina was certainly missed by Trinidad and Tobago last year. Uh, and, you know, this is, like you mentioned, it's a good thing that they, they've opted to take this window off and not play games, which uh, I think is FC Dallas has a game against, I think, the Red Bulls, if I'm not mistaken, and they're missing a whole lot of guys. So um, that's the kind of thing that can you can drop points in a game uh, if you play in that, you know, these sorts of situations. And we found, we found that out last year with Orlando City, and uh, it's, it's good that they're taking it a little more serious this year and, and using those options. Uh, a little more wisely, and I think they're deep enough to withstand those, those um, you know, more frequent games later in the season with the the way they built the team. Yeah, F- Orlando, F- Orlando Dallas Pride. Played. I want to I want to turn our attention toward Orlando Pride a little bit. They played their second uh, preseason game ever 
this past uh, this just this week against the University of Florida up in Gainesville, won it five to one after shellacking Eastern Florida State College uh, over the weekend. And uh, you know we've seen about a game's worth of minutes out of Alex Morgan who is in form, and that's not good news for these colleges because she has six goals in about a game's worth <laughs> of playing time. Uh, Alex Morgan and Ashlyn Harris called up uh, by the U.S. women's national team to, uh, to play in a couple of games um, against, uh, I believe it's Columbia, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Let's start with Luis this time because uh, you're a big uh, supporter of the Orlando Pride. What are your thoughts so far on what we've seen from Alex Morgan? Um, I think that she's looked sharp. I think that she knows that she is very much in form and wants to make a statement. Um, I believe that a big difference between the first year of the Pride versus the first year of Orlando City is her teammates are not in awe of her. And so she's able to kind of mix in and, and just be part of the team a little bit better. I think that when Kaká was with the team the first year, I think there was a lot of, 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 you know, hero worship. And I don't think it's the case with, uh, with the pride. I think that she's taken on a leadership position. Uh, she's been very vocal. I've been to some of the practices and I've seen her, uh, is try to establish some of that chemistry right away. And in, in those practices, if something's not quite the way that she wants it to be, she'll go back and talk to that player and say, um, you know, lead me more this way or, or do that. And I, you can definitely tell by the games that uh, everything is clicking. Things are going that way. Yeah, she's taken, she seems to be taking this uh, leadership role very, very seriously with the pride this year. Um, she knows she's the face of the franchise. And uh, I think what helps her not get deferred to as much as Kaká is that the fact that this is such a stacked team in terms of international players um just a lot of talent on the inter, you know from on the world stage that's that's uh, present on this pride team we talked to leanne sanderson last week here on the the podcast and uh you know it, it seems like this team is 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 growing together in terms of um you know trusting one another and building chemistry but of course you know we're not we're not sure what we're going to see uh, from an inaugural season because it is a new team and they have to learn to play together. Uh, Tom Sermani's got them, it looks like, playing pretty good soccer through the first two preseason games. But it's, you know, Daniel, it's hard to tell anything against these college teams. Yeah, I mean, what they win their first game, 8-0 to zero or something like that? I mean, yeah, they kind of called off the dogs after the eighth one. They just kind of kicked the ball around. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's 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 tough to, to talk to when you're – these are professional women playing this game, right? There's some trialists in there. There's some some uh, women trying to make the team, trying to make a name for themselves. But, I mean, Alex Morgan's basically playing with people she should never step on a soccer pitch with, right? And not not saying that in a bad way at all. Right. Uh, but it, it's difficult to gauge where the team's at with this level of competition. Uh, nothing against the, the competition, but that's just, that's just how it is. You have uh, women at the top of their game. And, and Leanne Sanderson, who I don't even think was there for the first game, um, and uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of talent, like you said, on this pride, this pride club. I mean, we didn't think Harris was going to get called up. She ended up getting called up, which, uh, I believe I, I could say I was right on that. Um, but you know, 
the I mean we have Maddie Evans, who's another player who's not necessarily international, who's who's fantastic. Uh, I know Sermani's talked to Kristen Edmonds being the type of player that that he loves just being around because of her grit and uh, her her ability to drive other players. So it's going to be exciting for these players, but the tough spot's going to come whenever you see Sanderson, uh, Harris, perhaps Hagen, uh, of course Alex uh, Morgan, um, and then all the rest of our internationals. When you talk to Monica. Uh, and Sanderson, and they all they all leave and they go somewhere else. Luckily if for us, um, not all of our uh, women are going to be gone for the Olympics. Unfortunately, most of them will be of that starting lineup. But we're still going to have a little bit. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a really talented player in Sanderson uh, still in that midfield and that tagging half. But I mean, you're talking about what I think we came down was it seven or eight girls that are going to be leaving during that Olympic window. That's going to be really tough. Uh, on Orlando City, and I know it's going to be tough around the NWSL, but um, the the level of play is going to drop around the league during that time, and and it's also going to drop for our club, and we have to be cognizant in, uh, of that fact uh, as fans. All right, and everybody, just so you know where to send your hate mail. I'm not the one that called them girls. That was Daniel McGann, and you can find him on Twitter, and you can give him your hate yeah, mail I, I there. Said women, <laughs> I said women against girls. It's what it is. I mean, it's just like uh, right. if, if Orlando City was playing – you know, I don't know, some random college team of of boys. That's exactly what it is. I mean, there's 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 a growth that they haven't went through yet. Yeah, well, we'll we'll we're looking forward to it. They got two more preseason games left before the opener. They will go to Portland for their uh, NWSL opener. They'll have their first home game against the Houston Dash and Carly Lloyd. And that'll be exciting in the Citrus Bowl. It'll be interesting to see how many uh, show up for the for the inaugural game. Um, why don't we turn our attention to the team that's going to be playing out in Melbourne, the reserve side, Orlando City B. They're going to start their their USL 2016 inaugural USL campaign on Saturday night against the Wilmington Hammerheads. And I think a lot of people on the Space Coast are pretty excited. Um, as someone who lives over on the Space Coast, Luis, what are you anticipating, you know, in terms of, of support and, and, you know, what's the buzz kind of over there uh, when it comes to this USL side? I think there's a tremendous amount of buzz. I think the the supporter group, I think the area itself is just uh, happy to have representation on on the soccer stage. And uh, I know talking to other people from you know within Orlando, I think for this first game, they're going to have a, a pretty packed house. I was there for the the double hitter, and uh, you know they got those extra seats, and uh, it, you know it's. It's not. It's a nice facility. The grass is nice. So, and there was plenty of people there in the rain. So, well, that's good. Yeah, there was. It was really good support considering the weather was so bad uh, for the doubleheader over the weekend. Uh, Daniel, Orlando City B is going to give the senior team something it didn't have last year, which is a place where guys can go get minutes if they're not playing. Guys like uh, Harrison Heath last year didn't get, you know, couldn't get on the field. Um, you know, we had Estrella. Obviously, he's moved on, but but there were a lot of guys. Connor Donovan is a guy who will probably see some some action uh, in Melbourne this year. And uh, you know, the draft picks from the Super Draft will be over there. Uh, what does this uh, you know this this reserve side? What does it bring to the senior club, and and how does it augment what uh, Adrian Heath is is trying to do? Well, I think it, it, it gives a, a path to that senior club that necessarily wasn't there for players earlier. I mean, uh, now we have the ability also to send down players that aren't seeing minutes, just like you said. So 
Uh, I mean, with this uh, Baptista move, perhaps that's a, a Roquez coming down there. Uh, maybe it's a Hodgeberry. I mean, we kind of like to see his speed on the field, but he still needs to get minutes under his belt. Um, I mean, and it's and there's excitement for uh, the community as well and the, and the supporters to see young players coming up. I mean, you're talking about players with a lot of talent. Uh, gives ability with Tyler Turner to go get minutes. Uh, and Tony Roca as well, who could be interesting, getting minutes up front with Orlando City B, having the ability to move to the senior club and maybe aim, uh, make an impact either during uh, international uh, uh, time frames in the summer or when, when an injury happens or uh, a suspension or anything like that. So it gives, it gives the club a lot more uh, flexibility from that side because now you have uh, the ability to have these players that may have been sitting on your bench considering it is local basically uh they can drive down there for a match if they didn't get any and come right back um so it's exciting to to get these young uh players minutes and and also to see who may be wearing a, a senior jersey either at the middle or the end of the season or coming into the future yeah it'll be it's an exciting mix over there you've got a 17 year old homegrown player over there pierre da silva uh an attacking player a very very talented player that they are very high on and you've got in the same time, you've got uh, a guy in his 30s, uh, Lewis Neal, with a lot of MLS experience. So uh, a good mix for uh, for Anthony Pillis and his his side over there. The reserves are going to be playing in the USL, Orlando City B, one of 29 teams yeah. in the USL. Uh, and if you haven't uh, seen it, uh, it's it's um, it's pinned to our homepage. There's a, uh, a link to the USL previews. For all the teams, all 29 teams are previewed by SB Nation, uh, and we had uh, we had our own Jeff Milby preview uh, Louisville City since he's in Louisville and he's very well plugged in with that team. And I I did Orlando City B. We had our own Robert Vega did a really nice primer for the season as well. So there's a lot of great content on there for you to go and read. And you know, because you know when this podcast drops, it's Friday. You know, Friday afternoon, you're not going to feel like working. So just blow it off. And you know, put all that stuff off till Monday, and go read a bunch of USL previews because uh, that way you can you can get all the information you need to know. Uh, you know, if you're going to follow Orlando City B this year. And speaking of Orlando City B, instead of us rambling about it and us talking about it, why don't we get to this week's special guest? Okay, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're very excited to have from Orlando City B, midfielder Tony Rocha. Tony, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. You know, uh, we're very excited about the USL opener for the new uh, the new club, Orlando City B. And, um, you know, obviously the first thing I wanted to ask you is, is because you got so much playing time with the, with the, the senior team in the preseason, was... Uh, you know, what it was like for you to get on the field with, with guys like uh, Kevin Molino and Kaka and Kyle Lahren and those guys. Uh, what was your what was your experience like in preseason playing with those guys? Um, I mean, it was an, an awesome experience, I think, being able to, to play next to those guys uh, that you mentioned is a, is a blessing. And, and um, it, it makes the game a lot easier being able to play with players like that that are very knowledgeable about the game and, and the team that they played with. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just an awesome experience. Tony, how confident are you feeling going into this first game after the successful preseason you've had? Uh, I'm pretty confident. It's, it's an exciting time right now for Atlanta City B um, with the first game right around the corner and the preseason that not only me, but that the Atlanta City B has had. 
um, being able to train with the first team and, and just gaining confidence like that and being together for a long period of time. I think the team chemistry is, is really well, and, and we're all excited for the first game this season. You know, Tony, the, the, the great thing about um, Orlando City having its own reserve side this year is that everybody, you know, all the young guys can can learn the system that Adrian Heath has put in, and, and Anthony is, is going to run that system, you know, over in Melbourne. And how big of a of a help is that for you, knowing that you got to, you got to play a lot with the senior team, but it was the same style of play that you're playing with Orlando City B? How, how big was that for you? I mean, it was huge because, I mean, uh, like you said, Orlando City B is, is kind of like a, a development for the, the first team. And, and doing things similar to the first team, it's, it's kind of just getting us ready for when the opportunity comes for us to play with the first team. We can uh, hit the ground running, I guess. So what are you guys doing specifically to prepare for the Hammerheads? Or are you guys more focused on tactics just on your side? Um, I think we're, um, we obviously know Wilmington's a, a good team and it's going to be a tough test, but I think we're more, fo- more focused on, I guess, what we can bring to the game offensively and, and also tactically defending um, their counterattacks or, or what we think they're going to do come the weekend. You know, Tony, the, the ch- you, know, you guys got some opportunities to play on the field over at Titan uh, Soccer Complex and, um, you know, train over there and that kind of thing. What is, you know, the environment like over there and how's the playing surface? What can you tell us about the, the new home of Orlando City B? Um, it, it was kind of hard to tell uh, when we played against um, the, uh, the college team there because of the rain and everything. But, I mean, we still had a strong support that came out and and um, the, the field was amazing and um we're excited for this weekend and, and to see how many uh, fans we're going to get and the atmosphere um, that's going to come with it. Can you talk a little bit about what's it like working with Coach Willis? Sorry, say that again? Oh, I, I just asked, what's it like working with the coach? Oh, with Ant? Yeah. Yeah, um, he, he, I, I really like him as a coach. Um, he's a down earth guy. He's he's uh, very knowledgeable about the game and, and also a, a player coach. Where because um, he he once played, so he knows um, I guess what we're going through and and um, because he's been there before, so he can relate. And it's and it's easy to um, play for a coach like that. And he's really passionate about the game and and um, it, he also helps us um, understand a lot of the tactical side of the game that that a lot of the young players really need help with. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, speaking of coaching, is it's uh, that you guys are going to have something that like a lot of USL teams won't have, and that's like an extra coach on the field in Lewis Neal. I mean, he's he's kind of a, an Orlando City legend, um, scored the first goal uh, with the Lions in, back in in the first game and, and, and has scored some big goals uh, both in the USL and, and in MLS. And he was, of course, with the MLS side in the inaugural year. What's it like to be on the field with him and, and how – how much of a calming influence is it to be out there with him? Um, he's a great leader on the field. Uh, he's um, a vocal leader, and that helps both offensively and defensively. And um, he helps keep us concentrated 
throughout um, the full 90 minutes, and and you can tell that he's been a huge part of the first team success um, when he comes down and, and he's able to lead on the field and off the field. Now, have they had a chance to talk to you about um, when players from the first team come down, how your role changes with that or how that will affect you? Um, yeah, obviously with, with being a development um, team for the first team, we're going to have players come down. But um, Ant's main concern is that we're all one team, like regardless if they're on MLS contract or USL contract. Like We both have the same goal to, to work to win games and – and uh, to make it to the playoffs. I don't think them coming down is going to change team chemistry. Like, we're, we're all in the same locker room. Um, we all, like, eat in the same team room. Like, we all feel like we're one team, and regardless of if we're on an MLS or USL contract. So I think the club has done a, a tremendous job to, to not separate us, I guess, and to make us feel like we're both teams with one goal, and it's winning. You know, you, we talked a, a lot about the developmental team, and, and it kind of goes both ways. I mean, it won't just be, you know, young guys that were drafted by the, the senior team coming down to play in Melbourne or guys that aren't getting minutes, uh, you know, with the first team. It's, there's also a chance for you guys to, maybe not this year, but to move up eventually. And that's something maybe that you didn't have as much in Austin, and, and now you have it here with Orlando City. And Adrian Heath was very complimentary of you as a player in the preseason and, and what you were able to accomplish you know, you're still a young guy. What kind of, uh, you know, kind of timetable or what goals have you set for getting yourself into Major League Soccer? Um, yeah, and, and also knows really no, um, I guess. We're, we're here in Orlando. We're training with the first, or not with the first team, but like in the same field and the same complex and everything. And it's um, motivation to to want to be on that team um, as soon as I can and, and I guess not really focusing on that, but focusing on um, the success that we have with the USL team is, is hopefully going to get noticed by Adrian and, and the coaching staff and, and hopefully earn a contract for, for next season or whenever they think we're ready to play with the last team. So you mentioned Coach Heath. Has there been a, a lot of time spent with him as well? Like on the side, he comes down and checks out the how things are going down with OCB or... What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I know he's been in a couple of preseason games, and and um, he sat in at halftime and and um, let us know like what we can be doing differently, and and um, it's awesome to see how the first team coaches is watching our games, uh, our preseason games, and and it's um, I guess a, a confidence booster knowing that that um, they're always like watching our games and and um, know if we play well enough that. We could get the chance to hopefully down that last game. Now, Tony, you know, obviously, you know, Orlando City fans know about guys like uh, Lewis Neal and Tyler Turner and guys like that. Who are some of the the guys that you've played with now and trained with that you think are going to have big seasons in in the USL this year? That maybe Orlando City fans who haven't been able to come out to the preseason games aren't aren't really um, hearing about at this point. Um, I would definitely say one of those players is Pierre. Uh, I, I, he's only 17, but um, playing like he's a lot older than that. I know he played with the academy team last year, so um, he's um, this is the first going to be his first professional season. But he's turned a lot of heads in preseason, and I'm always forward to the season that he's going to have this year. 
Now, Tony, you said it was it has been a long preseason for you guys. How are you feeling physically going into the start? Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a really long preseason, but um, I think all of that's going to get uh, put behind, like when the lights are on and, and we're walking out on our field to play the first game of the season. Like I know Dylan is going to be be uh, pumping and everything, and and with the longer preseason, we know that we're going to be one of the fittest, if not the fittest team um, in the league at this moment. So um, I think the long preseason has helped us physically, mentally. Um, Tony, uh, as a newcomer to the Orlando City organization, um, you know, uh, some of the fans haven't seen you yet and, and that kind of thing. So I wondered if you could just tell people what your strengths as a player are and like who do you sort of compare to or who do you try to emulate? Um, I, I think my strengths are um, the vision I have on the field um, and my passing range and and trying to get as many assists as I can. Um, and as far as who I emulate, I'm, I would like to say that I, I want to play like Kevin Molino, but those are huge to fill, but I mean that's my goal. I guess what I'm striving, or who I'm striving to play like. So, you uh, are talking about things that you want to do this upcoming season. Is there any specific targets that you've set for yourself for like number of assists or minutes played or anything like that? Goals? Um, not really. I think. My focus is is more of how the the team's going to do this season, and because um it's a huge season for Atlanta City B being back in the ESL for the first time, and, and um the history that they had winning multiple championships in the ESL. So I think um my main focus is to go out there and and try and make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because <clears throat> before we let you go, one of the things I definitely wanted to ask you about was. With Orlando City's history of success in USL, you know, is there is there a sense of pressure among this group to to perform, you know, to, to those types of standards? And, and does does Coach Pulis uh, talk to you about those standards? Um, yeah, we, we know coming into the team the history that that Orlando City has had in, in the USL, and I don't think we're um, taking it as like any added pressure. Um, if we don't make the playoffs or anything, I think we're, we're taking it more as, um, I guess, encouraging them. Like other teams know the path that Orlando City has had, so it's kind of like a fear factor for other teams, um, knowing that, like, they're back in the USL and, and we're here to to win games. Like, we're, we're not just here to develop and to get players to the first team, but we're also here to win. Well, that's good. I like the I like the fear factor thing. That's good. <laughs> um, Tony Rocha, Orlando City B midfielder. So uh, so glad to have had you on the show this week on the Mainland Podcast. Good luck to you this season, and, and thanks, man. Thanks for being on. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. Well, that's just about uh, enough for this Mainland Podcast episode forty-two. Uh, we definitely want to thank our special guest. Tony Rocha, Orlando City B midfielder, really excited to have him on. He's uh, 
He's a young guy who's very talented, had a really good preseason playing a lot with the senior team. And I made the bold prediction that he's going to play like at least five games with the senior team this year. <laughs> and, you know, with the depth that this team is building, I don't know that that's actually true anymore. Uh, and if it is, it means things have gone horribly wrong, but, uh, but or horribly right for, uh, for Tony Rocha. So uh, we want to thank him for coming on. And, uh, and thanks again to the Orlando city staff for, for uh, setting that up for us. Um, before we get out of here, guys, obviously we want people to follow us on Twitter and we are found at the mainland on Twitter and Maine is spelled like a lion's mane, M-A-N-E. And uh, you can follow us uh, there. You can like us on Facebook and you can, of course, read our stuff every day at themainland.com. And again, M-A-N-E, not M-A-I-N. And be sure to, to put the before mainland. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher, find us on um blog talk radio you probably already have if you're listen listening to this now you've probably heard us on one of those already but you can subscribe there if you're just grabbing this every week from the website you can subscribe in any of those places so um before we get out of here of course we are known for our uh horrendously bad predictions and uh, we're not going to shy away from the predictions just because orlando city is off this week we're going to uh talk about orlando city b against the wilmington hammerheads we know nothing about the wilmington hammerheads because we have to go to that usl preview page and go read it and then we'll know everything we need to know about <laughs> wilmington uh but for now we haven't done that yet so we're flying blind all we know is that the team is playing at home in their first ever game and uh at titans uh soccer complex on saturday night and i think i'm gonna go ahead and predict an orlando city b three to one victory and i'm gonna say that um uh brian rochez is gonna score a brace in that game. And that's going to be my bold prediction because I know nothing about Wilmington. And, uh, you know, I have seen Orlando city B play only very sparingly this, uh, this preseason. Luis, what is your, uh, what is your, what are your thoughts? What do you think is going to happen Saturday? Well, I, I think OCB will win. I think that they will win three nil. I don't have any real other bold predictions besides that. Are they going to sell out the stadium? Oh, yeah, the first game, they'll totally sell it out. All right. All right. Uh, Daniel, what do you got? So I think uh, sellout meaning 3,500 seats filled. I believe that's the OCB number. Uh, maybe more standing room only. I don't know if they're going to be doing that. But uh, I think 2-0 OCB. I mean, this team does have talent, right? We're talking about uh, Connor Donovan, whether or not he's, he's starting. But you talk about Tony Roca. You're talking about Brian Roquez up top. Uh, there's some attacking talent on this team, whether or not Richie Larea starts as well. That'll be interesting, uh, our, our first-round pick. Uh, I think 2-0 for OCB, and uh, them putting a mark in, in USL this year could be a distinct possibility. I mean, having a, a local team like that close enough to their senior team to where you can have players go back and forth and train with the senior team uh, consistently, it's going to be uh, good for both sides and going to be interesting to watch throughout the season. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the first game against Louisville City when uh, when it's Pulis Pulis up against O'Connor in the coaching matchup and play, you know they they're they're going to be very similar uh, in style. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to want possession. It's going to be uh, they're going to want to pressure the ball. It's going to be an exciting matchup. I think every time we play Louisville do, City. Do we expect a lot from Lewis Neal on the field? Lewis Neal. Let me tell you about Lewis Neal in USL. Um, <laughs> this team went up to Charleston to play the battery last year in U.S. Open Cup. And he played a really, really great game against a good... He was passing uh, the ball forward. It was amazing. I didn't know it existed. 
and he scored a goal yep. in that game, uh, a, a really great uh, entry ball from Tyler Turner, and uh, he put it on top of Neil's head. Neil ran onto it and headed it home, and and uh, he didn't miss from right in front of the net, which was well, what's, uh, something he did in MLS a few times. Voted Molino, right, just this past <laughs> week. I mean, oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, um, yeah. Kevin tried to just uh, wait everybody out, and instead he, he – he, I think, lost track of time and waited a half an hour instead of just shooting the ball. Uh, but anyway, um, so we all three see Orlando City B winning big in their opener, which may not be good news for Orlando City B because we're not exactly known for our accuracy in our predictions. Um, we tell you right up front, folks, don't ever wager money based on what you hear on this podcast. Um, because, uh, you know, what do they say about a fool and his money? Soon parted kind of thing. <laughs> Anyway, um, so that'll do it for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 42. A thanks again to Tony Rocha of Orlando City B. Uh, we expect big things out of him. And uh, everybody, uh, the lads over in Melbourne, going to be uh, putting together a big USL season for us. And uh, again, Michael Citro, managing editor from TheMainland.com. On behalf of Luis Hernandez, our first-timer, and Daniel McGann, our veteran, I'm signing off saying, Go City!